0: the best strategy is kind of to meet in the middle. What do you mean by that? To have everyone else be more accepting of difference and to have you be less different. And then you could meet in the middle.
1: Welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. And today's episode is a special kids POV episode with my 12 year old son, Asher. From time to time, we get emails from listeners who want to know more about Asher and how he deals with certain situations. So in today's episode, Ash is going to answer some of these questions, and we'll be talking about everything from how he handles fake emotions to how he stays positive when he gets in trouble for just being who he is. And because many listeners are curious to know more about Asher and his interests, I threw in a couple of personal questions at the end about things like his favorite movies, games, hobbies, and more. Before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to some of our awesome listeners, Tia Smith, Leanne Stewart, and Shauna Shepard, all new supporters of the podcast through our Patreon campaign. Thank you so much for your help. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, my goal is to outsource the time consuming process of editing the podcast. So I've set a modest goal to help cover those costs. We're now over a quarter of the way towards our goal, which is so exciting. If you get value out of what we're doing here through the podcast, and you want to support us, just think of it as buying me a tall cappuccino from Starbucks once a month. That's the investment I'm talking about. A few dollars a month makes a big difference. To support us, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Parenting. And thank you so much for considering and for being a part of our audience. And now without further ado, I'll get on with the show.
0: Hey Asher. Hello, mom and assorted listeners.
1: So today we are, as you know, recording a special kids POV podcast episode. And today we're going to be taking questions or answering questions that we've received via email from some of our listeners. And I think they're coming from both adults and from kids. Does that sound like something you're up for? Oh, okay. These questions are in kind of random order, so we'll just answer the questions and we'll see where the conversations go. All right?
0: All right. Let's do the hardest ones first.
1: Well, I think they're all kind of hard. (laughs) Okay, here's the first one. Someone wants to know, how do you identify with other kids? Do you ever feel different from other kids or like you don't fit in?
0: First one, not the second one. I feel different in a good way.
1: Can you say more about that?
0: I don't really have that much more to say on the subject. I don't feel different in a, I feel different in a good way.
1: So you're saying you feel different and that's not a bad thing. Exactly. Have you ever felt like you didn't fit in with a group of kids in a, either in school or in a special program or something?
0: Eh, Not really, but I always felt that was their fault. What do you mean? Like they were all weird and I was fine.
1: Okay. My hunch is that the person writing this question has felt like they didn't fit in because they wanted to know how you handled that if you've ever felt that way. So
0: Um, I don't really know. Okay. All right. I don't know how I would handle it.
1: Yeah. It's hard to imagine if you haven't really felt that deeply before. It's hard
0: to imagine me being the one who has to change and not everyone else. Yeah. Really the best strategy is kind of to meet in the middle. What do you mean by that? To have everyone else be more accepting of difference and to have you be less different. And then you could meet in the middle. Hmm,
1: That's a really good plan. I wonder how we could enact that in society. Do you have any ideas?
0: No. Take over the world.
1: (laughs) Differently wired kids take over the world. No, no, no. Just me. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. Right. I apologize in advance for all of our listeners.
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay moving right along don't worry I'd be perfectly nice to all the different you are okay
1: Okay, so we have talked about this next question a bit in an episode but since it was asked again I want to and some people may not have heard that episode I'm going to ask this question now for you are your diagnoses important in terms of how you see yourself
0: Uh, not really I don't really see myself as someone who has Asperger's, I see myself as someone who is slightly more detail oriented and more easily annoyed. And
1: mm-hmm. So they're just a piece of who you are. They don't exactly. really define who you are.
0: Yeah, that's really
1: interesting. Because one of the guests, actually, you remember Julie George from Seattle? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't she
0: the first one on the podcast?
1: She wasn't the first. She might have been number two. She was the early guest. And I had her on recently again, talking about girls with Asperger's. And she was saying that a lot of the girls that she works with, by the time they come in to see her, they feel like their diagnosis defines everything about who they are. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's just you're so much more than just this diagnosis.
0: Yeah, diagnosis basically means you have more of this, you have less of that you have a harder time doing this right and it varies between people how how much of each each of those things happens and then it varies between people how much they had at the start right and there's
1: also we're all so layered and complicated as humans it's not like one piece of us or the fact that i have brown hair means something about who i am in the world in a big way
0: but could you change humans to say people
1: Yes, why is that?
0: Because people are not, necessar- are not necessarily humans. What do you mean? Most people think people mean humans, but philosophers, in philosophy, a person is someone who deserves moral consideration. And a human is a species. So by replacing human with person, you're saying that it's more up to your personal beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. So I consider all animals with brains people, anything with a brain, right?
1: Whether they're sentient or not?
0: Yeah. Okay. Anything that can feel pain and happiness and things deserves moral consideration, in my opinion. So by replacing humans with people, yeah, you're not being speciesist.
1: Okay. So moving forward, I'm going to say people and not humans.
0: Exactly. Okay. Okay. Got it. So I'm going to move on to
1: the next question. You ready? Yeah. Someone wants to know how you self-soothe or deal with sadness or pain or scary
0: things. Um. Well, I have different responses for all of those. Oh, will you share them with us? Yeah.
1: let start with sadness.
0: Well, mm, mm, that's really hard. It's hard to remember a time when I've been really, really sad lately.
1: It's true. And to hear you say that makes me really happy, actually, to hear that you haven't been feeling sad. Not
0: been feeling extremely sad. Mm -hmm. I have been feeling like mildly sad, but which is important. It's true. It's part of being a huge, it's part
1: of being a person. (laughs) It's part of being a huge, I mean, person. Yes, it is. It's a full range of experiences. We have to feel the sadness, right?
0: Yeah part of the personal experience. (laughs) Okay, you can say human experience. (laughs) Otherwise, no one will know what you're talking about. And that's about it. Uh, My
1: hunch is that you're, I mean, you said that you deal with them all differently. But I think in some way, your coping strategies are pretty similar. So what about pain or scary things?
0: Well, you mean like physical pain? Because that's mostly the kind of pain I've had recently. (laughs) Yes. Like, well, my head almost exploded on that airplane. That was great. Yeah. And I, and I couldn't hear anything for the next three days. So how did
1: you self-soothe when you were feeling that pain?
0: Well, I just tried to bear it. But eventually, when it got really painful, I started crying and going, Og, og. And that was kind of a way for me to bear the pain. Because mm-hmm. it was kind of distracting from the actual pain. to be like, oh, no, I'm in lots of pain right is much better. It's much better to say, Oh, no, I'm in lots of pain than to just sit there and be in pain because you're doing something about it.
1: It feels active. Yeah. 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 That was bad. I remember that. It was a that was a rough
0: landing. Yeah, it was days before I could hear things again. Mm -hmm, It's true. What about scary
1: things? I know that's something you've been experiencing in one of your games lately.
0: Yeah, but I have a different tactic for in games than in real life. Okay.
1: Can you talk about sometimes at night when you're feeling scared in your room? How do you kind of soothe yourself then or deal with that if you're feeling?
0: Usually what I do is I turn on the light that's easily reachable for my bed. I point it up towards the ceiling because here's a here's the trick. I use science because the ceiling is white. That means it reflects most of the light instead of absorbing it so i point it towards the center of the ceiling and that means that it reflects all over the whole room
1: i did not know that you did that
0: yeah i do very cool then if i'm really scared i will sit up in my bed kind of sideways looking out onto the room and if anything moves i'll immediately move my head towards it yeah and then then after a while i'm gonna i'll read while occasionally checking upwards And then I would turn the no. And then I would play the audiobook, and I'd kind of turn the light away from the ceiling so that and push it into the wall so that it was just a little bit of bright. And then I'd play the audiobook and start going to sleep. And then I'd turn off the light when I felt perfectly safe, and then I'd go to sleep. You have a whole plan here. Uh, but when I'm really scared, I just go ah, mom. Yeah. Even when dad yes. comes, I'm like, Mom, you came. <laughs> and just one more
1: question. Thank you for sharing all that, by the way. That's great because I'm sure you're not the only one who feels that way sometimes, especially in bed in the middle of the night.
0: Yeah, that's the one downside of having an active imagination it comes up with horrible monsters, yes. things worse than monsters. And what about just kind of in general,
1: we didn't answer if you're feeling sad, but if you're just feeling kind of upset and kind of down about something, maybe something really just did not go right, or you did something and you're upset with yourself and disappointed in yourself, how do you kind of deal with that kind of emotion?
0: Usually I'm kind of sad. And then eventually mom tries to cheer me up or dad or both. But you by yourself spring spring back, you do
1: spring back. But you, you tend to kind of go hang out in your room and read and, you know, you might kind of just spend some quiet time by yourself when you're first really upset. And I give you the space to do that. Right. And then eventually I'll come check on you and then we can have a conversation. Right. Yeah. Changing subjects. Ready? Yep. I'm going to read this whole question. A lot of differently wired kids have unique, deep areas of interest. Would you consider yourself to have these? Oh, definitely. Okay, I would agree with that. Let me keep reading the question and then we'll kind of go back and break it down. For some kids, these seem to be a wall. For other kids, when it comes to fostering friendships. So I know for you, you do have a couple of areas of interest that you're super passionate about and you are an expert in and you spend a lot of time in. Have you found that... The fact that you have those, I, I think obsessions would be too strong a word, yeah. but you do, you do have these like areas that you're really into. Have you found it challenging in terms of your relationships with other friends because they don't necessarily share that same level or that same depth of interest as you do?
0: And not really, because they get more interested when I tell them about it, unless I talk too much, in which case they stop wanting to be friends with me.
1: Has that happened? No. But you could imagine it might happen. Yes. So your strategy then is to try to get other people interested or get friends interested in the things that you're interested in?
0: Well, first of all, well, most of my friends have at least one shared interest with me, Mm -hmm. which is the one I usually talk about with. Yeah. So
1: depending on which friend you're hanging out with, you'll focus your interest, you'll focus your conversation on that shared interest. Exactly. Okay. I was thinking about Kerbal Space Program. So sometimes, for example, you and I go for a walk and
0: you
1: you may talk about Kerbal Space Program for the entire
0: walk. That's why I can imagine driving friends away by talking about something too much.
1: Yeah, I was wondering if you've ever felt that. I mean, sometimes when we're walking, all of a sudden you'll stop and you'll say, sorry, have I just been babbling on and on and I'll say... Kind of, yeah, but that's okay. But have you ever felt that with a friend, with a kid your age, that you've done that with them? Eh, Not really. Okay. The question that is related to that says, what would you tell other adults or parents or maybe even friends or siblings about how they can relate to your area of interest? It's kind of a complicated question.
0: By realizing how interesting it is, along with me. So really everything is interesting. If you learn enough about it. That's true. So simply by learning about something, you would make it interesting. Mm -hmm. If you learn about something of your own free will, it becomes more interesting. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's part of why we're doing homeschool, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like they can teach you things, but they can't make you want to know those things. Right. That's all up to you.
1: And I would say just my perspective on that question that I find when I am willing to kind of surrender to your area of interest, and maybe surrender is not the right word, but I'm willing to kind of say, okay, I'm going to go in and, and try to immerse myself in this world and learn more about it, then that helps me at least have a common language with you about what you're interested in. And that way, I can help even use those areas of interest in other aspects of our life, right? Exactly. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to uplevel our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient-dense science-backed gut and brain health recipes developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja chicken bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60TILT and use code 60TILT to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60TILT at greenchef.com slash 60TILT. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. okay i'm gonna move on to another question again i'll read this as it came in to me a lot of kids with adhd tend to get in trouble for doing things they really can help one parent wrote in about her child forgetting to raise his hand in school or not touching the recording studio equipment and so on as you know asher can be hard not to push buttons
0: yeah it's like it's a button it's made for pushing and it's also
1: important that we as parents and teachers keep reinforcing the learning around this. So here's the, the actual question. When you're being reminded of things that you're working on, like not pushing buttons or maybe not interrupting or other things like that, do you ever start to feel down about yourself?
0: Uh, well, I did. Not anymore. That was before I got my diagnosis. When I thought it was all my fault that I was doing things. Hmm. I did still find it really hard to comprehend how other people could not fidget. It's like, wow, they must have a maze. Incredible willpower to be able to both not fidget and listen at the same time. Right. That's like drinking water without moving the glass or something. What
1: about, you know, when Dad and I remind you about interrupting?
0: Yeah, that does happen occasionally, but I just go, ugh. I'm working on not interrupting as much, so. So you don't feel down about it? No, I don't. Because I'm working relatively hard.
1: Yeah, you are. You're doing a really good job with it, actually. So what would you tell other kids who are in that situation that you were in, where they're constantly being reminded of something they're doing, quote unquote, wrong, and they're feeling down about themselves? What would you tell those kids about staying positive?
0: Well, it's not their fault. It's their diagnosis. And diagnoses come with good things, too. So you're saying to not beat yourself up about... Exactly. Lots of things that seem like they're bad could also be benefits. Mm-hmm. For example, being really detail-oriented is bad if you have a short temper because then because then if anyone does anything inefficiently, you can be like, ah, can't you see you're not doing it right? Mm-hmm. But if you work to have a longer temper, (laughs) a a longer longer temper. temper. (laughs) Yes. Then I'm following you. Yes. Then it turns out to actually be an advantage. Lots of things that seem bad can become good with little work. So you're basically
1: saying focus on the positives and think about how you can. Yeah.
0: For example, coming up with things in the middle of a conversation. If I work on not saying them, as soon as I come up with them, you're you still get all those ideas. Yeah, but I don't make everyone annoyed by sharing them. Got it. Okay, that's great. All
1: right, this is the last listener question we're going to answer. We've kind of answered it before, but I still want to, because it was written into us, I want to address it. How do you separate, for lack of a better way of describing it, your ADHD or Asperger self from your quote unquote real self?
0: I don't. I don't call it my real self. I call it my base self, kind of. Ooh, your base self. Yeah, it's like, this is me, and then if I add this on top of it, I don't know, autism and things, right? Okay. hmm. So I don't see an autistic self, and I see, like, this would be me if I didn't have autism, and autism makes, ma- makes me worse at this, but better at this, right? It's kind of a trade-off. Unfortunately, other people have conspired to make it so that it was harder for me. Other people conspired? Yes.
1: Well, we'll have to save that conversation for another podcast. Maybe our, we could talk about that book, Neurotribes, yeah, that Steve yeah. Silverman wrote. Because I know you... Uh,
0: everyone's been jerks to neuroatypical. That's not a word. <laughs> Neurodiverse. It is yes. neurologically neuro, atypical. Okay. Neurodiverse people how people have been mean to neurodiverse people throughout history that's mm-hmm. what the book is about yeah
1: i think we should talk about that in another episode cuz yeah i know that that really
0: sparked you a bit that book i did it was really good you should read it i'm going to read it the funny part is that you wanted to read it but i read it first
1: yes i it's on my it's on my pile okay before we go i wanted to do something called A lightning round, and I got this idea because I was interviewed on the Shameless Mom Academy podcast, and Sarah, the host of that, did a lightning round with me, and I thought I would do it with you. Which is, I'm just going to ask you a couple short questions, and you're going to answer quick, short answers. We don't need to have whole deep conversations, but this is just a way for. Perfect. but if you ask me
0: about my interests, could I have a slightly deep conversation?
1: Just a few minutes, but yes. Because our listeners have lives and they probably need to get back to them. <laughs> what do you mean? But this is a way for people to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Yeah. All right. You ready? Okay. Favorite color? Black. Favorite animal?
0: No, wait. I was going to say black is the warmest color. Okay. <laughs> favorite animal? Um, an orca whale, probably. Your favorite book or book series? I don't have one. I like lots of books. I mean, I have least favorite book series, but it would kind of be me not to. Yeah, that's not as interesting. Like, worst books <laughs> in Asher's opinion.
1: How about a favorite movie? Ah, eh, not really. How about one of your top three favorite? Oh yeah, movies? yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Zootopia. That one's really good because it seems like it's innocent and sweet, but actually, it has lots of deep things in it. Hmm, it's true. It seems like sort of just an animated kind of adventure movie but actually it has a lot of philosophical stuff in it. It does. Which is why I like it. Okay. Favorite video game? Uh, Subnautica. It has beat Minecraft. Because Minecraft has stopped adding interesting things.
1: What about Kerbal Space Program?
0: Oh yes, Kerbal Space Program. Sorry. Sorry I forgot. Between Subnautica I've and I've been KSB. playing Subnautica rec- more recently so I can't Yeah, do that. that's true.
1: Okay. you have a favorite YouTuber?
0: No. I don't want YouTubers anymore. Okay. We're over YouTubers. Both because the idea of YouTubers doesn't make that much sense. And that most YouTubers are really not that good at video games. I see. Okay.
1: Okay. What's your favorite school subject?
0: Ooh, I don't know. Uh, language arts. We Read interesting books. And then we do interesting projects about them.
1: Awesome. Yeah. That's what I thought you were going to answer. Like the
0: saddest book I ever read. Yes. But I can't tell you what it is because of spoilers, because that would spoil that it has a tragic ending.
1: I think that anyone who knows of the book would know that it has a tragic ending because it's about the Holocaust.
0: so. The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, the saddest book I have ever read in my entire life. And that's saying something because you've read a lot of books. And also, I don't really cry at sad things in books or movies, to be honest. true. I'm the one who does that. Well, I cry when I'm angry or I'm sad about personal things. Yes. But never when I end a book.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm moving on. Lightning round. Got to go. Yeah, go, lightning go.
0: round.
1: One thing that most people would be surprised to know about you?
0: Um, that I bake things. Hmm. Good
1: answer. The world issue you're most concerned about? Global warming. The philosophy that you subscribe to.
0: Mm, I'd say I'm kind of an existentialist, maybe a bit utilitarian.
1: Okay. For listeners, we've just watched the entire Crash Course series on philosophy, which we absolutely loved.
0: Yeah, check it out. www.youtube.com slash Crash (laughs) Course.
1: What do you want to do when you're older in terms of a career?
0: I don't know. Something to do with space and exploration. I say space because it's currently the area of exploration that has been the least explored. It used to be the ocean, but not, now it's space.
1: I will never forget the day when I showed you a video about James Cameron going to the bottom of the Marianas Trench. I thought you were going to be excited because you always wanted to explore that, in particular, the Marianas Trench. And you were so excited angry and livid that someone else had gone there first and exactly. i was like
0: oh. uh, you can't be an explorer if other people have already been there it's like i explored this couch no I can't employees explored this couch you can't be an explorer if you don't have new things there are no more ocean explorers because all the places left to be explored are gone unless we discover new places which isn't exploration yeah
1: Okay, and last thing is you wanted to have a minute to talk about one of your areas of interest. So I'm-
0: Not one of my areas, all of them. Okay, how are you going to do that in minute, your minute? I was just going to say, I'm generally interested in exploration. I want to be an explorer. It doesn't really matter what kind. And as the ocean is now no longer explorable, it's only visitable, researchable, but not explorable, Right. Nobody will will ever be able to say, oh, wow, look, I found, an, I found a whole new area of the ocean, right? They'll just be able to say, oh, look, I found something new in an area that we already knew was there. So my interests have turned to space. It's really very interesting. So you should go look, you should look up some things on orbital physics because most people don't know how it works.
1: Is that something you think is a life skill for everybody? A knowledge of orbital physics. If there's
0: knowledge that's easily available and not that difficult to learn, you might as well learn it. (laughs) Just look up Newton's Canon. It's really interesting. Okay. Anything else you want to share before
1: we say goodbye?
0: Uh, Not really. Other than that, I
1: like pancakes. You do like pancakes. In
0: fact, we baked some just last week. They were the best I'd ever had.
1: Yes. In part because you baked them yourself, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of the philosophy of baking, having baked something yourself makes it taste better in your mind. I agree.
1: Okay. So we are going to say goodbye. This was kind of fun actually answering these random questions. Yes. Did you enjoy yeah, it? Yeah, I did. So we'll do more of these. So listeners, if you have other burning questions or things you'd like Asher and I to discuss and, small ones. and get from Asher's point of view, please feel free to email those ideas into me at Debbie at TiltParenting.com and we will add them to the list for a future episode. So Asher, thank you so much for once again, joining me on the podcast today.
0: You're welcome.
1: You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting podcast for the show notes for this episode, including links to the resources Asher and I talked about in the show. Visit TiltParenting.com slash session 45. If you're not already signed up for our newsletter, I would love for you to join our Tilt Parenting online community. I send out short weekly updates with links to new content on the Tilt website, articles and resources just for you. And lastly, if you like what you heard on today's episode and you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes or leaving a review. Both these things help our podcast get more visibility. Thanks again for listening. For more information on Till Parenting, visit www.tillparenting.com. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wannabe Clutter Free,